You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to episode two of Extra Takes. I'm so excited about this podcast of Extra Takes where we can dive a little bit deeper into the message of the weekend and explore some things that maybe I forgot to explore or to go deeper into areas that I just really didn't have the time. You're like, well, Pastor Josh, you preached for over 50 minutes. Like you, you took a lot of time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, probably, yes, you, you, you are exactly right. But there are a lot of things to explore today that I really didn't get to or I want to make sure that I clarify some things. And so I have my friends, Dr. Teresa McCaskill with me and then Derwin Anderson with me. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Well, it's always good to have you, Derwin and uh, Teresa. And so <laughs> let's just kind of dive in. Uh, now, now, yesterday, or, well, it was yesterday because it was the weekend. Mm-hmm. We, we started off with playing a game. Hmm. And the game was Guess the Artist or the Band. Right. So now, how many of those songs did you get right? <laughs> Of the art, three, three. Okay, what, 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 what? Three? Did you get right? The f- middle three. The middle three. Missed the first one. You missed the first one. Did not get the Beatles. Oh. You didn't. I'm not unapologetic about that. But um, <laughs> so missed the Beatles, but then got the next three. And I then, think I only got the first two. Yeah. Okay. But uh, the service I was at, I think you were there too. Mm-hmm. I think somebody got all of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean well, the group got all of them. Yeah. The group got all Yeah. So, they, you know, Northland, you did much better <laughs> yesterday, or, you know, this past weekend in that game than you did the mission statements from <laughs> company. So, congratulations. You passed. Well, so, so after that, and the whole reason of that game was to show how throughout the last five years, six decades, Mm. we've had artists that talked about how there are problems Mm. in the world. And so so it's nothing new. Mm. And the the question that I wanted to kind of really explore was, all right, so so why do we have problems? Where where did those problems come from? And then what is God doing about those problems? Which led to this, you know, this main point that I explored, which was, Shattered people build broken civilizations and they experience fragmented results. And then God comes along and he redeems a shattered people to build a God-glorifying civilization that brings blessing to all peoples. Now, I know that's a, kind of a mouthful and normally I like to summarize it uh, a little bit better, which I did, as you know, and, and Teresa helped me with this, was the when, what, how, and why of God's mission. But let, let's go back to the, the, the longer main point. How did I mean? Like, let's unpack that that main point. I mean, obviously, we did that in the the the, the body of the message, but just right right here, let, let's drill down a little bit be, deeper. And what does that main point kind of? How does that resonate with you? Or what does that what does that speak to you about in, in terms of shattered human beings building shattered civilizations? Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's tempting to think that. Uh, Things are worse today than they ever have been. I think that's a kind of uh, mm, hopeless way of looking at things um, because I think in every every time, every culture, there have been challenges. There's been evidence of the shattering of the ideal. 
But I mean, you have to work really hard today to to not be aware of the fallenness of this world. Yeah. Uh, it's everywhere. You just drive your car or you turn on the TV or your computer or whatever. So I think it's a, you know, it's a heavy, heavy kind of thing, except when you hear a sermon about it, then you start to see that this is such a big picture uh, of God and what God is doing in the world, what God is doing because of who he is. And then you start to catch a vision that you would like to be a part of a positive turn. I mean, you may not see the whole, you know, end result in your life, in our lifetimes, but we, God should be giving us glimpses of how he's using, how he's redeeming the world as we live our lives. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I think. Darwin? Yeah. Yeah, I would concur with what you just said, that the breadth of what we see Mm -hmm. in comparison today versus 10, 20, 30 years ago, and the lengths that people go to actually partake in yeah. You know, the sin of choice is so heavy. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when we see and we understand what God's mission is and how God does redeem not just people, mm. but he's redeeming his creation. Yeah. And um, it's neat to know that you can be a part of that. Mm. As a believer, you are a part of that. Mm. And um, But it doesn't take away from the vastness of, man, this world is corrupt. It's right. sinful. But the beauty of it is God takes the ashes and yeah. he makes something beautiful. Well, for, yeah, and, and if it. you look at you know the three functions of what we do as human mm-hmm. beings, we relate, we create, we operate. If you think about all of the innovations and technologies mm-hmm. that have been developed over the last few decades, mm-hmm. now now the brokenness is readily available. Yeah. I mean, you can scroll through Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and you can kind of see it right there before you uh, something happens in Texas. I mean, we 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 get up you know kind of up to the minute. Uh, updates, yeah. uh, you, you know, of what is going on. And so, so really, yeah, when you look at uh, you know, kind of where we are in this cultural moment, yes, it's really the technologies and innovations of cable news, social media that allows us to see up close and personal the brokenness, but it's always existed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and really this idea of, you know, this, this main point of shattered image bears build, you know, shattered civilizations, but then God comes along and redeems is that now you have you have two tracks in the world. You have the track of the city of man and you have the track of the city of God. And then you're unpacking, okay, okay, now that these tracks have been created, okay, how do they interact and how do they engage? Because if you think about God calling Abraham, he's going to pull him out of the city of man and he's going to create the city of, city of God, which if you read Hebrews 11, 10, what you will see is that Abraham actually looked forward to the city whose founder and creator was God. Amazing. So, so even Abraham knew that God was creating a different civilization that was going to be cultivating culture that was that was similar yet distinct mm-hmm. from the city of man. Now I, I did talk about something, you know, before I, I shared the main point. I, I 
I unpacked a little bit of the, the progression from the 1700s of the Enlightenment uh, to the 1950, 1960, 1970 post-modern thought to now the mm-hmm. the new era that, that we are in. Because I, I think over the last 300 years, the reason why that was important is that mankind has, again, they, they've at least acknowledged. And we once again, we have our cultural theologians, uh, you know, the artists and these bands that are singing about it. But we've known something is wrong with the world and the enlightenment thinkers thought that human beings could solve the problems Mm -hmm. but 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 they couldn't which is why post you know modernism came on the scene and rejected a lot of what modern thinkers were were saying is that okay you still have you know you've you've produced uh these world wars the atomic bomb Mm -hmm. violence racism still out there so you have not you have not solved really some major problems in the world which is why post you know modernism rejected that but now we're living in a new era Mm -hmm. which is a mixture of the two how did you um i mean what what came to your mind was i too harsh <laughs> was you know um what what do you think well when you were just talking what i thought is every man does what's right in his own eyes that, that's you from know, where literally that's um, from the book of judges yeah. so just thank you yes yeah um, yes. i could help you out yeah. there the addresses <laughs> yeah, yeah got to work on the addresses oh. but literally you know we we will figure out the best that we can but that's the logic that's the intellect and we have to have the spirit that's going to direct the intellect that god's given us so that it's not us in our own thinking and us in our own understanding, but literally, God, I need you. I need I need your ways to be what directs me, and therefore I can be an agent of change in a society that's literally going to hell. You know, so it's it's an amazing thing to think about that God can and wants to use little old me <laughs> to be part of redeeming this world yeah. and um, and using us. The way that he has made our minds and he's gifted us to do and to serve him right where we are, right where we live, you know, where we live, work and play. So, so you don't think I was too harsh? I don't think you were yeah. too harsh okay. at all. All right. No, I'm raising my hand yeah. Yeah, yeah. because I think, uh, I mean, the some of the things you were saying about children and their outlook and, yeah. I mean, I don't have children, so I, maybe I shouldn't say, uh, but, you know, I... I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just think that they, children have other uh, qualities that we should appreciate, and it's not all so selfish. Um, sometimes when you see them, they interact with each other in a way that there are no boundaries. There are no, I, I mean that in a good way. There's not a color. There's not, a, you know, a difference in opinion about politics. There's not. You know, uh, nothing clouding yeah. there. Yeah. So, well, clean, yeah. Clean but so, and, and so, and that's where, and I completely hear what you're saying because there are. I mean, you know, having three kids. I mean, they're definitely as they, you know, as as they have grown up, we have seen the beauty of of kids and sure. the, the the innocence of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I was really trying to get at, and it's the again the new and it, no one that I've read. Now they, I, there might be philosophers out there that have that have maybe coined a term. I just have not come across it yet. Mm-hmm. 
But that's the reason why I, I referred to it as the rise of the new social order mm-hmm. and the metaverse reality. Mm-hmm. So when I think about the rise of the new social order, there is no underlying current or morality. You do just what you said. You do what's right in your own eyes. Right. Which when you look at it, when you look at children, they actually do just want to do what's right in their own eyes, regardless of what their parents say. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like every man for himself. And so. So, yeah, you're looking at the rise of the new social order and it is predicated on what kids like to they, they, they really don't want somebody telling them what to do. Sure. Now, they, I right. think as they age, they understand. Uh, well, maybe some of them understand where some. you some there you go. some, there you, go. you know, maybe understand you where they need you know, uh, authority. But but and, and this is where I, I, I don't feel like I'm too harsh. I think I'm really trying to be real. Like if you really want to see what it looks like for kids to rule the world, wait another 10, 20 years. Wow. And, and you'll actually see what it looks like for 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 the, the, the brokenness. Again, shattered human beings build shattered civilizations. And with the rise of the new social order and and then the metaverse reality, you, mm. you know, you're like, I had somebody ask me, what is the metaverse? Well, I'm not an expert on the metaverse. I'm just reading uh, about the metaverse. But but it's where these, I would say, these tech moguls so like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates and mm-hmm. others that have created, you know, the, the, the metaverse. And let me just read uh, from a Harvard Business Review. And it, it says that that these big businesses with technology titans and gaming giants such as Meta, which was previously Facebook, Microsoft, Epic Games, Roblox and others all creating their own virtual worlds or metaverses. And so the the metaverse draws on a vast ensemble of different technologies, including virtual reality platforms, gaming, machine learning, blockchain, 3D graphics, digital currencies, sensors, and in some cases, virtual reality enabled headsets. So, Hmm. and and what Mark Zuckerberg is hoping to do, and this is a quote from him, is to make the world a better place through the metaverse. And then you have, I was, I came across another article entitled Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates spending billions to make the world a better place. So what you have with the rise of kind of the metaverse and these billionaires is that they want to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that's the reason why I say we have some hints of post-modernity mm-hmm. and then also some hints of modernity coming together with the rise of the new social order and the metaverse reality is that you have people that want to make the world a better place. That's what the Enlightenment thinkers wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Then you have postmodern thinkers that like, you just do you. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever's true to you, you just do you. And so, and that's where you're, and, and that's where you're coming together where these, you know, again, the adolescents and teenagers ruling the world of the metaverse, this fantasy reality, the immaterial world getting into there, and then also just being able to act and do however they want to act and do. So that's that's what I was really trying to get at. Now, again, yeah. that, I, that that's how I see the world. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to, you, you know, <laughs> f- feedback. But I, I think that's where we are going. Yeah. I mean, I I think that nowadays uh, it's funny. It's kind of polarized, I think. So there are a group of people who are very moral, morality focused. So they're very focused on what's right, what's wrong. But then there's a whole another group that is, you know, you do you, like you said. So I don't know. The metaverse is a fascinating thing to me. I mean, I think they do want to – maybe they want to make the world a better place. But they also want to make a lot of money. So, (laughs) you know. um, But – 
mean, go, go ahead. Well, I mean, here's what this this article, this uh, Harvard Business Review article goes on to say, within the metaverse, you can make friends, rear virtual pets, design virtual fashion items, buy virtual real estate, attend events, create and sell digital art, and earn money to boot. But until recently, the implications of the emerging metaverse for the world of, of work have received little attention. So that's where they're saying, hey, we want to bring in. So it's, it is a whole realm of reality you know and again I don't understand it but that's where it seems like they're wanting to target well hey listen uh, the the material world man we we, you know Mm -hmm. let's let's kind of go over here into the digital world and Hmm. see if we can create a better world it it does remind me of Ready Player One Hmm. that whole movie and what was fascinating at the end of the movie is that they they rejected the notion that the virtual world could actually bring about the total flourishing of life, that they huh. needed physical relationships. So mm. anyways, I say all that to, to really just once again set it up where shattered human beings build shattered civilizations, but along comes God and says, you know what? I, I'm not going to leave mankind in their shattered state building shattered civilizations. I'm actually going to redeem a people for myself, and I'm going to build a God-glorifying culture, which lead, would lead to a God-glorifying civilization and then he's going to use that civilization and that people to bring blessing to the world. So, so let's talk about, you know, what, what it takes for Abraham to become part of God's plan. Hmm. And so we, so we unpack this idea. This is what it means to be saved or this is what it means to have faith. What did you all, you know, and, and Darren, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Teresa. Yeah. So the, this idea of abandonment. Of you had to abandon yourself. You want to you, you want to unpack that and how it even happened in your own life. Yeah. So the abandonment is, I I'm all in. I am. It's like you just throw your hands up and you just let yourself drop. You know those um, exercises that you do, kind of team building, where you fall back into someone's arms mm. and um, you, there's trust involved. There there's so many things involved. Timing, all of that. And I think with abandon, it's I'm all in. I'm I'm not looking for a way out of this. I am I'm heading in this direction and let's go. Mm-hmm. And so um it's unfortunate though for us as believers sometimes it's hard for us to be fully abandoned towards Christ because there's so much that's vying for our attention and our affections mm-hmm. that we get really pulled and sometimes we get pulled so slowly. It's like that um I think it's casting crown song that um, slow fade. Hmm. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. And they're, they're not talking about being abandoned towards something. They're talking about what stops you from being abandoned towards Christ. So you slowly are giving parts of yourself away. But in, in my own life, what has allowed me to, like, I'm all in, God. I'm all in is understanding that he's all controlling and all knowing. And even when I don't fully get it, and that's a lot of times, I don't know how all of the I's are going to be dotted and T's are going to be crossed. He's like, you don't have to worry about that. It's just take a step of faith and keep on taking steps of faith. And I will, I will do what I've promised to do. And I'll be with you always. Mm -hmm. And so in my own life, it's been a, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, even though there, my heart is starting to pitter patter a little bit more, but I'm, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to step out and watch you do what only you can do. And 
like the song says, I do love music, so you'll always hear it. And you like dancing, references. too. I love to dance. Sorry, oh, I don't. I please don't ever tell me. Yeah, yeah, please don't ever some. tell me that I can't dance. I'm probably walking out the door. <laughs> if anybody says you can't dance, I'm like, yeah, I can't live then. <laughs> but um, there's, there's a song that really talks about stepping out into faith. You step out and the bridge will appear. So you literally just take that step of faith holding on to God's hand and he will cause what you can't see to be there so that you can keep on going, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just wonderful to know that um, he will supply all my needs because he's faithful. There's another song, Brooklyn Tabernacle song from years ago. He's been faithful Mm -hmm. in my moments of fear and doubt. God's like, I've got you. I've Mm -hmm. got you. Just let me do what I can and will do. And I will allow you to see that when you place your faith and trust in me, I will not let you down. Mm-hmm. I'll be there for you. So that's how it's been experienced in my own life. That's yeah, cool. that's good. And so, you know, Teresa, as a, you know, really as a Pauline scholar, mm-hmm. I mean, Paul actually talks about Abraham and his faith as yeah. a poster child. So, yeah. so, so dive a little bit deeper in this idea of faith, even from a Pauline perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, what's exciting about that to me is that, you know, there's a lot of discussion about the way Paul interacts with his own heritage, his own Jewish faith. There's so much written about it. And uh, as I got to know my good friend Paul uh, in my <laughs> studies, I started to, started to see that he uh, – Abraham was the, the, the ideal. Abraham was the beginning of both the Jewish uh, race, both Israel and all Gentiles who would have faith. So there you don't have uh, two groups that are in opposition to one another. You have two two groups that are worshiping the same God. And uh, there was a book I read in, in, in school, uh, Ross, J. Ross Wagner, uh, who talked about Paul using Isaiah uh, a lot in Romans, in the letter to the Romans. And he said, you know, when Paul became uh, a Christ follower, he got this message to gen- uh, mission to Gentiles and trying to figure out what does this even mean. He finds a friend in Isaiah who talks about two nation or two groups of people, the nations, the ethne, like you said, and uh, the Jewish people worshiping the same God. So when he's talking in like Romans three about Abraham, uh, it's he he had faith before he was circumcised, so he had faith before he was attached to the Jewish. Uh, nation. Yeah. So, yeah, I I I think the beauty of it is that Abraham is that unbelievable uh faith example for us. Yeah. Um and like you said this weekend, he didn't really have much reason to, you know. Yeah. Well, and and, and yeah, I mean, he's it, it is a fascinating tale of of a man who minding his own business mm. And uh, the 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 God of creation mm-hmm. comes, you know. How did that happen? We, right. we don't know. I mean, no. did he talk audibly? Right. Did he like it, 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 again? Th- these are all questions that we we don't know. Mm-hmm. But that by faith, Abraham went. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do remember preaching a message here at Northland, uh, you, you know, uh, months ago about Paul. Not Paul, Peter, sorry, Peter about faith. Mm. And I talked about five elements of faith. You know, there's the element of worldview, the object of your faith, the purpose of your faith, the ethics of your faith, and the practices 
of your faith? Like how, how do you how do you kind of practice your faith as kind of religious practices, spiritual practices? And so here we have really the the, the poster child of faith. All right, mm-hmm. here's his worldview. Now he's no longer a polytheistic, you know, worshiper, polytheistic a worldview where many gods and one god's over this, one god's over this. Now he's a monotheistic worshiper where uh, Yahweh is now create, creator God. Uh, the object is God because that's where he's abandoned himself. He's not the object. He's not the center of his worldview. He's not the center of his faith. Yahweh is. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to move where Yahweh wants him to move, go where Yahweh wants him to go. Now this is the purpose. And so the purpose is that uh, I'm going to make you a great name, a great nation. But here's the ultimate purpose. Through you, Abraham, I'm going to bring blessing to the world. So this is why you live, move, and breathe. Mm-hmm. And then here's the ethics. And and so one, one of the and we'll tackle this next week, because it won't be really until Abraham actually and his descendants develop into a nation, a, a large people group that God's going to give them a land, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in that land, God is actually going to give them ethics. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's actually going to give them spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. So, but, but what we have early on with Abraham is this is what it means to live by faith is that you do, you abandon your culture, you abandon control, you abandon your idea of greatness, you abandon your self-centeredness. And so, um, so here's the thing that I would really challenge believers is because faith is not in some sense, this abstract thing mm-hmm. where all I have faith. Because, you know, both both the Apostle Paul and James will talk about, you know, the fact that Abraham had faith. He moved. Now, he wasn't saved because he moved. He moved because he was saved, Mm -hmm. you know, which is why James would say faith without works is dead, is that works do not save. Works actually, you know, reveal that you do have faith. Just like we're sitting here at this table with chairs, we had faith that these chairs would hold us up. So we moved and we sat. And so, and that's what I really want the church to, to understand is that faith really is this tangible thing that we have because it is directing our hearts and our minds to what we believe and yeah. what we believe leads to what we do just like Abraham. And the last thing that I, you know, that I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into is the idea of mission and, and how we bless. Um, and you know, I talked about, so when, when I talked about how God is going to make this happen, so, so he, he wants this from Abraham, like this is what Abraham has to do. He has to abandon the land of me so that he can live on mission. But here's what God promises. God promises, I will make, I will bless, and I will protect. So when when I was unpacking, though, the idea of blessing, that God's investing, any stories in your life where other people have blessed you, they've poured and invested in you? So, Teresa, what comes to mind when you think about that? I think the it's my parents. I mean, they did nothing but bless me my whole life and uh, provided me with every imaginable, you know, Everything, everything I needed to be successful. They they didn't criticize me when I wanted to be a professional singer or tell me I should have a backup plan. Uh, they were, and then it just continues on, and it, it's kind of a, a reciprocal kind of an idea where uh, I don't know if I bless them as much as they bless me, but their blessings just has overflowed in my life. Yeah. And so your parents, really, when you look at what they have done in you, they've really enriched you. Yes. They have encouraged you. Yes. You are a better person oh, because of sure. them. For sure. What about you, Derwin? 
I think for me, there's been a lot of, because early on in ministry, I, I fought God in regards to even the call to ministry. And I think I didn't have good discipleship around me to help me understand what was going on in this call. And so in my early years of life, I make myself sound so old when I say that, <laughs> but in the first half, um, first quarter, I guess, too, I wanted to be a doctor and I was aiming and heading that direction, undergraduate and all of that. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, no, I need to go in the direction God's calling me to go, as my grandmother would encourage me with that and to pray that way, I saw God so many times meeting needs that they were, they were, they were very present, the needs, and I was looking at situations saying, I don't know how that's going to get taken care of, hmm. and then God would show up. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes at the 11th hour, wow. he would show up and take care of it. And so, a lot of times these were financial, you know, yeah. and um, and sometimes they were, you know, going on a missions trip and you don't have the, the finances and then God would take care of it or, um, you know, you, you, you're on staff at a certain church and you— you leave, you resign, and the money's dwindling down, and you don't see that God's providing for you through another church that wants you to come, Northland. Yeah. And um, and so I've just seen God do exceedingly abundantly above what I could ask or think or even presume that he would do. Amen. You know, and not for me. He's doing it for his glory so that I could share those stories and say to God, be the glory mm. for what he has done. And it's been it has utterly blown my mind to see because you, you don't sometimes you don't see when it's happening. But when you look back, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. God did that. He took care of that. So I've yeah. seen it so many times in my own yeah. life. And I think, yeah, and I think we can all I would hope and, and pray that we, we could all look back over our life and maybe even the last month, year five years and we can see how people have blessed us. So, you you know, and what they're doing is that they're pouring, they're investing mm. who they are, their presence, their power, their provision into us to make us who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately that's what God is doing when he blesses us. But the, but the unique mm. idea that God would save a redeem a people to actually be a blessing to the world. Mm. We are now, so the church, we are the vehicle. We are the instrument. We are the conduit by which God is pouring out his presence, his provision, mm. his power. He, this is, we are the instrument in which he is blessing the world. I mean, that, again, that, that is, that is mind boggling <laughs> yeah. in, in a, in a religious way. Because again, other, other religions, yeah, you have good works mm. that we do, but we do those good works and other religions, you do good works in order to do something, but we're doing good works as a result of having God done the good work in us right. through the death and resurrection yeah. of Jesus. So he has blessed us beyond measure. And now we take that blessing mm-hmm. and, and just even think about the New Testament, how through Jesus's death and resurrection, he has deposited his spirit within us. So mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit lives within us as a deposit, empowering us to live for him to do what? So that we might might be the conduit and the instrument by which God is pouring himself out into the world. And the, the, and the, what, what's fascinating about Abraham is in Galatians 3. Here's what Paul writes in Galatians 3, verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. So if you're not a Jew, 
Guess what? You are a Gentile. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Congratulations. But God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Hmm. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Hmm. So in Genesis 3, when God tells Abraham, And you will, will bring blessing to all the families of the earth, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group, what Paul is saying is God was giving Abraham the good news of the gospel. Hmm is that in your brokenness, because you have built a shattered, broken civilization, in your fragmented results, I have now built up another God, I have built up not another, but a God-glorifying civilization to actually bring blessing to you and to invite you over into this civilization, into this kingdom. And that is the good news. And so I ended by, by kind of sharing an acrostic of a bless, of how we are to bless others. And let me give those to you once again. We're to be holy. Now, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more this weekend. Hmm. But I want you to think about, again, the functions of human beings. We relate, we create, we operate. And we do so in a very distinctive manner. So there's going to be similarities to how we relate and create and operate with those in the world. But there will be a distinction. There will be a holiness. There will be a separation of how we do it and how we even think about it. Then we're going to listen to the needs around us. So here's one of the things that I would encourage our Northland family to do Hmm. is if you're at work or if you're at the ball field this week, just pause and listen. Hmm. Just listen to what people are saying. Uh, take someone out to to lunch or sit with coffee, you know, sit sit down with them uh, for for a cup of coffee and just listen to them mm. and just and see what their needs might be. And then the third thing would be entreat the Lord. So pray to the Lord on their behalf. So uh, so again, here's what I would challenge you to do: is pick somebody at your work, maybe in your family, maybe in your subdivision, mm. your neighborhood in, w- in which you live, and just pray. Pray for their well-being. Pray pray for them. And then you're going to seek the peace of the city. And then you're going to share the good news, inviting people into the people, the kingdom of God. And so any any questions, thoughts, comments, or final words from from either of you two uh, about this weekend, about we are God's missional people? Yeah, the blessing portion, I always come to this um, passage whenever I hear anything about blessing because it's it is us being blessed so that others can be blessed as well and it's Matthew 5 um, it's talking about loving your enemies and here's the specifics this is 543 you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and then here is the, the the juice and the good part. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And so bottom line is because of Christians being in this fallen world and being the salt and the light, then the world gets to receive the rain and the and the blessings too. So, you know, you have the general blessing and then the specific blessings. But it's just so neat to know God's not going to cause rain to just fall on yeah. one crop and not the other right. next door. And so others receive blessing because I'm receiving God's blessings. Mm-hmm. And as you asked earlier, how have you seen that in your own life? 
I've been able to be a blessing as a result of others being a blessing to me. And that's Mm -hmm. how God functions through the life of a believer. So Mm -hmm. really got a good picture of that as you were speaking this weekend, but also connecting it to Matthew 545 and just seeing how we're blessed to be a blessing. And God God is going to allow us to do that so that we can flourish and others can flourish as well. So, yeah. I think I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, because this idea of how we live in this world as people who are separate, people who have a completely different uh, perspective on why we're here. Um, and, you know, I find that that's the, that's the difficulty, uh, how Christians can engage with the world in a way that doesn't uh, disrespect God, but also doesn't disrespect the people that we're, he's sending us to. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, and and um, you know, I was thinking about this idea of tension because I was talking with someone after one of the gatherings, and there is a tension to a lot of what we do, and mm-hmm. so I actually put that in my project management software for a series in the fall of 2023 to do a series on tension huh. because it is. I mean, it, it, it there is a there is a a tension there, a balancing act of how do you how do you live in the world but not of the world, mm-hmm. and that therein lies the the tension. Yeah. And so so we'll look at we'll we'll look at that. But ultimately, our holiness, as we'll even see next week, it is actually an attractional mechanism by which God draws the nations to Himself. Yeah. And so, once again, our holiness is not these do's and don'ts for the sake of just don't do or do do. Mm-hmm. That sounds weird when you say it that way. But you guys get the picture. We well, it. hey, this has been fun talking and diving into some extra takes. So, as I wrap up, we have now had three iterations of God's mission. Right. In just two weeks, the first iteration was that God was on mission to create a people Mm -hmm. to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. Well, that went south when Adam and Eve chose to sin. Therefore, in Genesis 3, God actually promises to redeem. So therefore, the second iteration is that now God is on mission to redeem a people to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. And what we saw this past weekend with Abraham is that God now is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples. Mm -hmm to reflect his glory in all spheres of life, which is one of the reasons as I close, this is part of a, hey, this is an extra take of an extra take. <laughs> but one of the reasons why we want to be a diverse church that we want to look like our community and we uh, we want people from every socioeconomic background, every race, every tongue, every, the reason why we do all of that is because God is redeeming a people, one people from all peoples. And so it's when it's in the good news of King Jesus that we reflect how he is bringing you unity, even in our diversity, which we really see embedded into Abraham's promise. That's redemption there. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thanks, Derwin, Teresa, for joining me today. Hey, Northlanders, we love you. We are grateful to God for you. Have a wonderful week. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.